Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to another episode of the Judgment Call podcast. As always, this is Miles Wilson. Hope you're having a great day, night, afternoon, whatever it may be for you when you're finally getting around to listening to this. And today, as a follow-up from my last podcast, grading the first round of every pick in the NFL draft, this is going to be my favorite pick from every team in the NFL draft. This I'm not limiting this to just the first round. This is going to be the first all the way through the seventh. I still don't have... You know, well, it's it's kind of 50-50. So when I when I pose the question of do you want me to go through every team and break down all of your draft picks, uh, it was mixed reviews. Some people were like, yeah, I do like listening to it. And they were like, yeah, you should go ahead and do it again. Other people were like, I mean, it wasn't really fair for a team who if you did it first before minicamp happened and then by the time you were getting to the end of the pod, uh, you were getting to the teams like when I was doing the Steelers. Uh, people were like, well, that one was extremely detailed because we're already through mini camps. We've already been through OTAs. Uh, rookies have already been seen in a lot of practices versus when I was doing like the top three picks and people were like, I mean, oh, well, we haven't really been able to see them. So still mixed reviews on that, but I will be giving out my favorite picks of all the draft pieces that everybody did get. Um, I may or may not do timestamps for this one. I'm not exactly sure how long it'll be. If it's over an hour, I'll give timestamps out. I don't plan on going over an hour. So if you do want to get to your team, feel free to just skip ahead a little bit. Uh, I do tend to get a little bit long winded. Uh, I will not apologize for that, but I'm going to do this in the same order that I did the last one, uh, one through 32. If your team did not have a first round pick, I'll just throw them on the back end. Uh, I've done enough talking on the front end. Let's go ahead and get into the pick, starting with the Jacksonville Jaguars. I think that the best pick that the Jags got um, aside from getting Trevor Lawrence, uh, I think that the Travis Etienne pickup was definitely a good pickup. I do like uh, that Urban Meyer wants to be one of the, what did he say? He wanted to be top eight uh, in rushing. I, I do like that philosophy. But the best pick that the Jags got, in my opinion, was snagging Andre Sisco in the third round. He was a safety out of Syracuse. Um, you could argue that he is one of the three best safeties in this class. The way that I had it set up is 1A and 1B were Richie Grant, Trevon Morig, and then I had Javon Holland, I believe, as the third-ranked safety, and then I had Andre Sisco. So that would make him the third or fourth best, depending on how you would rank a 1A, 1B. Uh, so they got a really, really good player, and I think the only reason that he even fell to the third round is because of the ACL injury that he got last season that took him out for the season, but his tape, is fantastic. He is a legit starting caliber safety. I think he'll compete for starting snaps day one. Got great size. He's like, what, 6'1", 220 nearly. He's got great range. You can play him single high. Uh, they need safety help too. I don't know what they were thinking was going to happen. Maybe this is just the old regime. Uh, but getting rid of Ronnie Harrison, letting the Browns pick him up was a very, very bad idea. Ronnie Harrison was a very good player. And you could tell that their safety – their secondary struggled a lot. Uh, it wasn't just CJ Henderson's fault. A lot of times their safety had no idea what they were doing. I think this is a great pickup. He should eventually start. He has great ball skills, uh, excellent range, excellent instincts. Really, really like Andre Cisco. Next team, the Jets. Um, taking Michael Carter in the fourth round, the running back out of North Carolina, was one of the best pickups in the draft because – I had Michael Carter ranked as a day two talent. Uh, I don't think the gap between the top backs was very wide. So I had, I think I had Najee 1A. No, no, no. I don't think I had 1As and 1Bs with my running backs. I had Najee 1, I had ET in second. Then I had Javante Williams third. Then I had Michael Carter. Uh, Michael Carter is a very good back, extremely elusive, great vision. Um, even though he's kind of small, He's under six feet. He's 200 pounds. He's got some great size on him. Uh, extremely decisive runner. Uh, you can't bring him down very easily, uh, especially the way that that running back room shaped up. Uh, Frank Gore is, what, 56 now? Um, I could. They had Ty Johnson taking snaps at some point in the season. They needed a running back. They didn't have to take one early. Day two, they were able to use their draft picks the way they wanted to. I think this was an excellent pickup getting Michael Carter in the fourth, he will probably end up being a starter on this team in the near future. 
next pick, the San Francisco 49ers. Um, I don't know how many people actually like this pick, but Trey Sermon in the third round was incredible. And that's only because of the way that this San Francisco 49ers team operates. Um, they're going to have Raheem Mostert, who happens to get injured a lot. I think I don't know if there was a running back in that running back room that didn't get injured. Uh, maybe Jeff Wilson. I don't know if Jamichael Hasty got injured. But the last thing you want to do is you lose your feature back, and then you have to rely on Jeff Wilson and Jamichael Hasty. You want to get a guy who you saw absolutely destroy Northwestern in the Big Ten title game. And even in that game versus Clemson where he got injured, uh, he was cooking. Like, this, this man, Trey Sermon, is a legitimate NFL running back. He is going to come to this team, and he is going to play absolutely fantastic. Uh, as far as the rest of the Niners draft, uh, I think they went O-line with two other picks. Uh, if those O-linemen can end up starting, he'll have a nice group of guys to run behind. I really love this Trey Sermon pick going to the Niners. Next pick, Atlanta taking Richie Grant in the second round. This is another excellent safety pick. The safeties really did fall out of the first round. I don't think a single safety went into the first round. So there were a beautiful crop of safeties to pick from in the second round. And Atlanta snagged him a really good one. I know a lot of people had him as a top three uh, I just went over my rankings a couple seconds ago. I had him as a top three. Uh, Richie Grant is fantastic. Uh, he's got, he's kind of undersized. Uh, you're gonna, you're probably gonna have him playing a lot of single high, which hopefully they do. Um, I think Atlanta could have used some more pass rush, but as far as great value, a great player, or rookies that's going to compete for starting snaps, uh, Richie Grant is that guy. He's got a, a few consistency issues, but what you see on the high end, the best parts of his tape are NFL quality snaps. He has NFL starting range. He has great eyes. He doesn't get fooled by the quarterback very often. He is a great ball hawk. Uh, he's going to be a very, very solid free safety in the league. I hope he gets a lot of reps as a rookie, and I hope they don't try and side him, sideline him for any reason at all. Uh, next pick, Cincinnati. They snagged Joseph Osai in the third. I don't think that he'll compete immediately for snaps. I think he'll get. I think he'll find his way out on the field in some capacity. He's a very good football player, kid out of Texas. But the thing is, he is the way that he plays is raw. He played a lot of off the ball linebacker at Texas, but they they try to fit him into a pass rushing role. So he has hybrid capabilities where he he could play as a stand up linebacker, but he he was at his best when he was a pass rusher. So he's a bit of a tweener. Um, I don't know exactly how they'll use him, but they do have a very versatile piece, which versatility is always good. Uh, I think he'll be a, a solid scheme fit depending on where they use him. If they use him as an overhang defender where sometimes he'll come off as a blitzer, other times he'll be ba dropping back in pass coverage. I think that's where he'll be the most successful. It'll, it'll kind of be the same situation where Dallas will have to figure out what they want to do with Micah Parsons. What does Cincinnati want to do? With Joseph Osai, if they want to turn him into a primary pass rusher, it's possible. I just don't know if that's where he'll succeed. I feel like he'll succeed if he's in a role where you don't confine him to doing one thing. You don't want him to be like, hey, we're going to have you rushing the passer every single down, or hey, we're going to turn you into a guy that we can put right next to Akeem Davis Gaither. We, we, I really hope that Cincinnati can figure out what they want to do with him because I think this is a guy that could make the roster and could have an impact on the roster. Next pick, we have the Miami Dolphins. Um, they had one of the best draft classes, in my opinion, in recent history. They hit on literally every single pick from the first to the third round. I think they took uh, Liam Eichenberg, Javon Holland in the second, then they took Hunter Long in the third. Uh, of course, they grabbed Jalen Waddle with their first pick, but my favorite pick out of all of them was their second pick of the first round, taking Jalen Phillips at 18 this this is a roster that is already really good they're already ready to compete for the playoffs if Tua can have a year that people thought Tua would be that or if Tua can be the guy that Miami thought Tua would be and everybody else thought Tua would be um I think that Jalen Phillips can come in and be an immediately immediate starter uh he's already an NFL level pass rusher he is smart the kid has legitimate NFL instincts he has an NFL pass rush plan uh, he already has an NFL body. Um, he's good. The only thing only thing that people were concerned about with Jalen Phillips are the injuries. Uh, if he can stay healthy, 
um, if the concussions don't come back to haunt him, which they shouldn't. And if any, he doesn't have any other injuries that happen to pop up aside from the concussions, Jalen Phillips is easily going to be the best pass rusher out of this draft class. And I don't think it'll be particularly close. This is great value getting him at 18 because he is a top 10 player in this draft class when healthy. Next pick, the Detroit Lions. They had a very good back end of the draft. Uh, I'm talking third, fourth, fifth round. Uh, yeah. I don't know about third round. I think they took Aleem McNeil. I don't know anything about Aleem McNeil. Uh, but at the at the back end of the third round, they did get Ify Etumelefonwu. And then at the start of the fourth round, my favorite pick was Amon Ross St. Brown. Amon Ross St. Brown, the wide receiver out of USC, easily could have been a day two talent. This was such a deep wide receiver class that it's, it's actually good in hindsight that they didn't get a wide receiver in the first round, which I kind of hope they didn't anyway. Um, and it's also great that they didn't get a wide receiver on day two because they filled a needed defensive tackle. They also filled a need uh, as for wherever you want to put if he had to. He's a big he's a big corner. I don't know if they'll stick him in the slot. They might try him at boundary, but they already have Jeff Okuda and Omani Oruwarie. So they'll probably just find ways to pluck him into the defense. They finally got a receiver. Now, the best receiver on their roster isn't Tyra Williams. They won't be relying on Quintess Cephas every, every down. You have Keaton Slovis' favorite target out of USC. Um, Amon Ross St. Brown is a very good player. He comes from a family of athletes. I think his dad was a all-world bodybuilder. Um, and his kid is kind of built like that, too. He's a, he's a stocky kid. He's, I think he's six foot, six one. Uh, college is usually inflate height, so it'd probably be 5'11". But he's a great route runner, great hands, great vision, great ball tracking. Uh, Amon Ross St. Brown will find his way onto the roster and will find his way to get playing time. Next pick is the Carolina Panthers. Um, I'm kind of I'm kind of torn on this one because they had two great value picks. Uh, they took Chuba Hubbard in the fourth round, who, given Christian McCaffrey's injury history, that's a very good pick. He was an electric running back out of Oklahoma State. And then they got Davian Nixon, the defensive tackle out of Iowa, in the fifth round. I think those are two really, 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 really good value picks for fourth and fifth round. Uh, if if Chuba Hubbard would have came out last year, he probably would have been a day two pick. Um, and then Davian Nixon, same thing. Davian Nixon had a really good sophomore tape. Uh, and then his junior year came around and you saw a little bit more of his inconsistencies and his struggles, uh, similar to AJ Epinesa two years ago. But Davian Nixon is a very good player. If they can iron out some of those kinks, uh, he could be a starter. And even if they don't iron out some of those kicks, kinks, he could be a situational defensive tackle that could come in and, spell Derek Brown whenever he gets a bit So I like both of those picks. I'm not going to force myself to choose one like both of those for Carolina. Next, the Denver Broncos. This was easily Baron Browning uh, on, at the back end of the third round. He almost fell to the fourth round. Uh, Baron Browning is excellent. And this is coming from a Michigan fan. I really, really like Baron Browning's ability to get after the quarterback and really just get after anybody in general in space. He has excellent, excellent pers pursuit speed. Um, and that sideline to sideline ability could help him transition into a better coverage linebacker. I'm not sure if that's what they want to do with him. If they want to use him and turn him into a pass rusher, Von Miller's getting a bit old. His injury history is not the best. Um, I also, I don't know if he was dealing with some legal stuff, but I think he had like one lawsuit or something. I'm not saying that Baron Browning is going to turn into a pass rusher that could replace Von Miller because he's not that kind of guy, but he is a guy who could come in and be a situational pass rusher. Um, he could be a guy that could be a very, very good situational blitzer. And I think this is a great fit for him here in Denver. Next pick. Uh, Philadelphia Eagles, I don't actually have to think too long about this one. This was easily Devonta Smith. They were able to trade down with the Miami Dolphins, get to 12, get picks for next year, and they were still able to get the receiver that they wanted. Uh, this was easily their best pick. Uh, one, because if they would have been at, where were they, at six, they probably would have drafted a corner. And, I mean, you can't be mad at that. They need, they need corner help. They needed somebody opposite Darius Slay. Um, and I mean, I guess like they'd probably be happy with Pat Sertan, but trading back, getting another first for next year, and you're still getting a wide receiver who this wide receiver room badly, badly needed talent. You don't want JJ Arcega Whiteside out there trying to get separation. So I definitely understand this pick. I love this pick and good job on the Eagles and Howie Roseman. Next pick, 
Chicago Bears traded up to get Justin Fields. Um, I'm going to leave that at that. Uh, this is this is the right thing to do. This was easily the right thing to do. This is what Detroit should have done. Uh, this is this is this is easily the best pick of the entire draft, in my opinion. Trading up because this you, you just you just got to laugh it off sometimes, man. Aaron Rodgers might finally get out the division. Kirk Cousins isn't a threat, honestly, to any to any competent defense. And this Chicago Bears has a defense that is ready to win. They have an offense that has enough weapons for Justin Fields. They also upgraded their own line, selecting Tevin Jenkins, who will probably come in and be a day one starter. This team is definitely, definitely ready to make a playoff push in the near future, even if he doesn't start this year. Even if he doesn't start, they are definitely ready to make a playoff push. And I'm jealous. I wanted Justin Fields in a Lions uniform. Next pick, Dallas. Uh, this is also one of my favorite picks of the second round. They took Kelvin Joseph, the cornerback out of Kentucky. Um, I, I really like this one because they decided to trade down, get Michael Parsons to help that linebacker room. And then they still got a very good corner. Uh, that entire Kentucky defense from last year was excellent. I, I got put on to that, to that defense when they played Tennessee, I, I bet on that game. And I was just watching all those kids fly around and Kelvin Joseph was everywhere. There was nothing that Kelvin Joseph couldn't do that game. Kelvin Joseph has some really good tape. He's a big corner, big body. Um, I don't really know how often he'll be playing zone concepts, uh, which thankfully Dallas plays a lot of cover too. So it's a lot easier to learn uh, than trying to play any complex zone schemes. But they play a lot of cover two uh, zone and they play a lot of cover, man, cover two man. So that actually fits his play style a lot this is a good fit for kelvin joseph and i think that dallas got a potential starter i don't know if he'll be a starter opposite of trevon diggs that's probably where they'll try and put him his rookie year uh since they lost Chadobia Wuzier. i don't know if they brought back jordan lewis or not but either way jordan lewis is a nickel corner uh i really do like kelvin joseph he can if he can develop he can easily easily turn into a starting corner on this team. I actually had him ranked higher than if he had to Melee Fonwu, who the Lions took. Uh, a couple of other guys that are pretty good, Ambry Thomas, uh, Paulson Adebo, Aaron Robinson. Pretty much everybody I had ranked above Kelvin Joseph, I had projected as day one starters. Everyone below Kelvin Joseph, I had ranked as guys who could come in and find their way onto the field and play good. So Kelvin Joseph is, hey, if he comes in year one, he'll develop it to a starter. Or if he comes in and develops the way I think he will, he'll be a starter. But if not, probably two or three years down the line, he'll definitely be a starter on this team. Uh, next pick, I have the Chargers. And as much as I like them taking an offensive tackle in the first round, a very good offensive tackle at that, uh, Asante Samuel Jr., Asante Samuelson in the second round is the pick I'm going to go with. Um, Asante Samuelson, I had him ranked as a top five corner. The only corners I had ranked above him were Greg Newsom, Caleb Farley, JC Horn, and Pat Sertan. Even though he's not the biggest guy, I think he's listed at 5'10, maybe 5'11 on a good day. Um, he's not going to be relegated to the slot. He is a legit corner. He is a legit boundary corner that could compete for snaps at CB2. Um, this is a great pick for a team whose cornerbacks were aging. The Really, the only two spots that they needed to hit were they needed a cornerback, they needed a offensive lineman, and they potentially needed some more safety help because Derwin James is off injured. And they probably could have couldn't have went, went wrong getting a defensive tackle. They addressed their offensive line in the first round. They addressed their cornerback room in the second round and they did both of those very very well good job on the chargers next we have the new england patriots uh this is going to be another two picker for me just because of th they got amazing value with these picks uh they got christian barmore in the second round who i believed was a day one guy and then they had got cam mcgrone all the way in the fifth round who was almost a consensus he shouldn't go past the third round pick uh this isn't really the homer in me either because Cam McGrone really didn't play much for Michigan. Like he got on the field every now and then. And when he did get on the field, he was great, but he was right behind Devin Bush. So he really didn't see the field that much. But when he was on the field, 
man, Cam McGrone was electric. He is he's a he's a real athlete. He loves to hit. He's got great sideline to sideline ability. He can cover, even though we didn't play a lot of zone, you wouldn't know it. But he has great range. I think Cam McGrone is definitely going to turn into a starter if he can stay healthy. I know he did have that ACL injury that did cause him to fall this far. But uh, I really believe in Cam McGrone, man. I think he can come back from that and be a impact player for this team. Uh, and then Christian Bar- Christian Barmore had probably had the greatest stock rising game from the guys in this draft class. What Christian Barmore did in the championship game, he looked unblockable. He was absolutely tearing through Ohio State's O-line. And that Ohio State O-line is nothing to sneeze at. I love Wyatt Davis. I love Josh Myers. I love everybody on that offensive line. Anybody on that offensive line could start on my team any given day of the week. And Christian Barmore treated them like Swiss cheese. I believe those are two very, very good value picks here in the second and fifth round. Next, we have the Arizona Cardinals taking Rondell Moore in the second round. Um, I, I think this is great value just because of how old their wide receiver room is. Outside of Christian Kirk and New Hopkins, A.J. Green is a one-year rental. Who knows if he'll make it all 16 games. I don't think there's been any word on if Larry Fitzgerald is going to retire or not. Uh, and then Andy Isabella just hasn't worked out there. Uh, I think Rondell Moore, eat for as unpolished as he is as a route runner he is electric uh if they just get get the ball in his hands and get him in an open space similar to how people talked about lavisca chanel last draft uh, i think rondell moore is him but faster a little less bulky uh, a little less muscular but he is way faster i think he is more dynamic with the ball in his hands uh, he was almost a consensus first rounder up until people started diving into the tape a little bit more and saw guys like Elijah Moore, who's a better route runner. Um, then people really just started noticing how many short, fast guys were in this draft. But I think Rondell Moore is going to be an impact player on this Arizona Cardinals team. Would have loved if they would have went corner here, but they did get a very good player in Rondell Moore. Uh, next, the Las Vegas Raiders. They took Trevon Morig in the second round. They took Tyree Gillespie in the third uh, I'll start with Gillespie. So a lot of people don't know about Gillespie, but he is a strong safety from Missouri. And one of the most impressive things about his tape is that he is the only safety and or really the only player in all of college football that successfully shut down Kyle Pitts. Uh, and I was thinking the entire time when Kyle Pitts did finally go at number four, I was thinking, man, somebody from the NFC South should really draft Tyree Gillespie because you were going to need somebody to guard Kyle Pitts. And the only person that ever just got up in front of Kyle Pitts and said, hey, you're not going to have a good game today was Tyree Gillespie. Tyree Gillespie, uh, I don't know how the Raiders are going to use him. They might relegate him to the box. I hope they don't uh, because he can play single high. He could be a box safety, but he has really, really good man skills. I think he has the best man skills out of any corner in yeah not corner out of any safety in the entire draft i i would definitely say that with confidence uh the only one that you could probably say is right there with them is javon holland and that's just because of how much nickel javon played but tyree gillespie is great he's a very physical um i i i think i have every safety ranked above him as an instant starter uh health aside and then the, the few that I have behind him are good. Like, I really like Divine Diablo, who coincidentally they also took, and Ardarius Washington, who somehow went undrafted. But literally every safety in my top nine, I think, should get on a roster. And I do have uh, Gillespie at seven. Uh, and then Trevon Morig is the other guy that they took in the second round. Trevon Morig, you could argue, is the best safety in the class. Uh, it's Some people say Richie Grant. Some people say Morig. Some people say Holland. Uh, I would be a guy that says Trevon Morig is probably the best safety in the class. Um, and they got him in the second round. This is what I was talking about in my last pod when I said that if the Raiders first and second round picks would have flipped, no one would have had a problem with their draft. They would have took Trevon Morig in the first round and they took Alex Leatherwood in the second round. Uh, the draft would look fine on paper, but uh, they didn't. So a lot of people, you know, want to say something about it but the way that it's shaped up is really nice I, I, I do like the way that the Raiders draft class panned out uh next the Washington football team took Jameen Davis in the first round that is easily my favorite pick in the draft um 
I don't know how many people know who Jameen Davis is, but he was another guy on that Kentucky defense. He was the middle linebacker. He's excellent. He has excellent, excellent range. He has great sideline to sideline ability, great cover guy. He can blitz. He can hit. Uh, I don't, I don't, great instincts. It's, it's not anything negative I can say about him. I really, really like Jameen Davis. Uh, I think that he will be an instant starter on this team. It makes their front seven even more terrifying than it already was. And yeah, that is, that is one way to make use of a first rounder. That is that is a great pick. I'm really, I'm really impressed with that pick. You, you've got to do a fair amount of scouting to assume that Jameen Davis is worth the first round pick, especially over Jeremiah Wusukoromoa. And I commend the football team for taking him. Uh, next, we have the New York Giants taking Aaron Robinson in the third. I just think that's tremendous value. They already have a very good corner in James Bradbury. And then they went inside of Jory Jackson to be their CB2. Now you go grab Aaron Robinson, who played predominantly in the slot at UCF. And he was great in the slot at UCF. But he is not going to be forced to play in the slot in league. He could probably play all over. Um, and they'll probably stick him in the slot to start. And I think that'll be where he'll be more the most comfortable. I think he can come in and contribute instantly. Um, and I really, I really hope they try and stick him in the slot and start him at the slot. Cause I think that he'll be so comfortable in that role that it won't be much different than college for him. He'll just have to adjust to the speed of the game. So I really like that pick there for the giants. Next we have the Indianapolis Colts. I didn't really love the rest of their draft class outside of the first round. So I'm going to go with Quiddy pay, uh, putting him on the same defensive line as, DeForest Buckner is going to make them one of the better run defenses in the league immediately. I have no questions about Quiddy Pay's ability to stuff the run. The only question I have about him at the moment is how fast will he develop as a pass rusher between now and when the season starts? Because he's not a bad pass rusher. He's just he's underdeveloped. He doesn't quite come in with a a solid pass rush plan. He's more speed to power right now. He shows a nice rip through move. He shows the ability to get after the quarterback with a solid long arm. But a lot of the times it was just like, man, I'm bigger, stronger, faster. I'm just going to bully my way through you rather than showing me something that can translate to the NFL. So I want to see how his development goes, but I do like Quiddy pay uh, in the first round for the Indianapolis Colts. Next we have the Tennessee Titans taking Elijah Molden in the third round. This is a day one starter. In my opinion, Elijah Molden played pretty much every position you can in the secondary for the Washington Huskies. He's played safety, played in the box, played nickel, played boundary, and he can do them all very, very, very fairly well. Uh, and this is a Titans team that needed corner help badly. Uh, when I was doing my fair amount of scouting before the draft started, trying to see what teams need, trying to see where they could fill their needs as far as draft value goes. I was like, man, uh, the Titans corners stink. Like Malcolm Butler was their most played corner last year because of Dory Jackson was out a good chunk of the season with an injury. I, I honestly couldn't name you any other corner on that team. Chris Jackson, I, I think plays for them. I don't know, but they really need a corner hub badly. And they got a good talent here with Elijah Molda. He could have gone earlier in this draft, snagging him in the middle of the third was very good value. Next, we have the Minnesota Vikings uh, grabbing Christian Derisaw near the bottom of the first round deserves a round of applause. And that is only because they traded back to get to this spot. They grabbed extra picks and they took, um, you could, you could argue that he is one of, uh, I wouldn't say he's the best tackle in the class. I, I'll still uh, I'm going to say Slater's the best tackle in the class. You could argue that second best tackle in the class is either him or Tevin Jenkins. I think that Derisaw is a bit more consistent and a bit cleaner than Tevin Jenkins. So I'll say that he's the second best tackle in the class. This is an offensive line that badly, badly needs help at the tackle position, uh, especially if they don't, if they plan on keeping Ezra Cleveland at guard, they definitely needed Christian Derisaw, and I think this is one of the better value picks in the first round. Next, we have the Pittsburgh Steelers, and I didn't really love their draft overall. Taking Pat Fryermuth in the second round was questionable. He's a good, he's a really good player, but it's questionable. 
but as far as good value, I'm, I'm going to roll with Quincy Roche. They, they took him in the sixth round. Uh, I thought he was a guy that could go in the late third, early fourth. Um, he's not well polished. He, he's, he's a bit raw. Uh, he's, he was only a one-year start at Miami, so I don't have him as high as guys like Rashad Weaver or Dale Odeyingbo or even or even Ronnie Perkins and Peyton Turner. I don't have him as high as those guys who could develop into something, but I do have him higher than the Patrick Jones, Charles Snowdens. Uh, I, I just think that the way that he plays, the toughness that he plays with is something that NFL teams will value and it could help him get onto a roster. Uh, I'm, I'm not sure if he'll play. I'm, I'm not really sure how many reps he'll get, but I think at minimum he'll make it onto the practice squad. Um, he's quick. Uh, he's got good quickness, but he's not, he doesn't have the desired traits that you look at and be like, man, that really jumps off the tape or man, he'll really have an easy time getting past NFL level pass blockers. But the, like, I, I, I really just like his, his effort. He's a really high motor player and he has a good feel for the game, even though he's not the, he's no Khalil Mack. He's no Miles Garrett as far as like size goes. He's got he got heart. The kid got heart. I, I like kids out of Temple. That's where he played before he transferred to Miami. Uh, Temple has a lot of tough kids, and I, I think that that toughness, as, as dumb as it sounds, that level of toughness will probably help him get onto a roster. Next, we have the Cleveland Browns. They killed this draft. They have one of the best draft classes. Um, they have they have two really good value picks. Greg Newsom at the end of the first is not who I'm going to go with. But I absolutely love that pick. He is a starting caliber corner. That is a great pick to put him opposite of Denzel Ward. And then give Greedy, Greedy Williams a chance to show what he can do as a primary slot corner. I love that pick. But far and away, the best pick of their draft class was snagging Jeremiah Owusu-Koromoa at pick 52 in the second round. Uh, I believe the reason that he fell was because of an irregular heartbeat. And if that's the case, I know a lot of people with an irregular heartbeat, it does not affect you as much as you would think. It's definitely something to keep note of. But is it so major that he should have fell all the way to pick 52? Absolutely not. This is it's insane. Not only that he fell this far, that but that he fell this far to this team. The, the Browns badly needed linebacker help. And the fact that they got a linebacker this good who when Alabama played Notre Dame and this guy was on Devonta Smith. He was running with Devonta Smith step for step in man coverage. He is truly a safety corner hybrid that just happens to play linebacker. And I think that him coming into this system is going to be one of the best things that could have possibly happened to Jeremiah Usukoromoa. He probably would have loved to be a first rounder, but the fact that he fell to the second round to this team is probably going to be one of the best things that could happen to him in his career. I'm happy for JOK and good on the Cleveland Browns for taking him and not letting him fall past them at pick 52. Next, we have Tylen Wallace going to the Baltimore Ravens in the fourth round. As much as I wanted to put Rashad Bateman on here, because I think that Rashad Bateman immediately comes into this wide receiver room and is the best wide receiver there. I think that getting Tylen Wallace, a guy who could have been a day two talent, should have been a day two talent at the back of the fourth round is spectacular. Uh, this isn't a guy who's going to be a practice squad guy who is just out there running dummy routes. Uh, Tylen Wallace is going to be a starter on this team. I don't like making guarantees, but Tylen Wallace is really good at football. Uh, <laughs> I don't know if people have watched Tylen Wallace play, but he's arguably the best jump ball receiver in the draft. He is a great route runner. He has really good hands. Um, what, what else can I say about him? He has good footwork. Uh, his route tree may be limited because they primarily used him as a jump ball receiver. But even when, even then, when they did get the ball to his hands on screen passes, he's got good speed. He doesn't have, he's not top end speed like Kadarius Tony or Elijah Moore or Jalen Waddle, but he's got good speed. He's faster than Jamar Chase. I can say that confidently, probably faster than Rashad Bateman and Terrace Marshall, uh, I, I really, I really like this pick. Uh, he's got, he's got good size on him too. I think he's about six, two. So not enough of the 
short, fast, trying to get open wide receivers that the Ravens have. They have a couple of very consistent targets. Uh, when Sammy Watkins does inevitably go down with a foot injury or ankle injury of some sort, they will have two very good receivers right behind Sammy Watkins. Uh, you can also keep Hollywood Brown in the slot where he is supposed to be. I really like this pick for the Baltimore Ravens. Next, the New Orleans Saints took Paulson Adebo in the third round. Um, I'm not sure how many people pay very close attention to the draft process, but I know that pre-COVID, before all of uh, before all of the seasons got canceled, and before it was kind of hard to get film and hard to really gauge um, how players, you know, were going to play. I remember that Paulson Adebo was considered. Uh, a potential back-end first-rounder, uh, possibly early day two guy. And, and then because of all the shortened seasons, uh, there weren't really – it was just it was just hard to measure how people play. And I think that Paulson Adebo also opted out just like his teammate Walker Little. I just – I don't know, man. I, I don't know why he fell this far. I, I'm trying to find reasons why he could possibly fall this far. Uh Beats me. Uh, he ran a very good 40 time. I think he ran in the sub four fives. I want to say he was about four, four, five or four, four, seven, somewhere in that range. But that's much faster than I thought he was. He's already a very, very good zone corner. He has great feel for zone. Underrated man defender as well. Uh, I really think Paulson Adebo can come in and be a guy that will find his way onto the field somehow. I'm not sure where they'll put him. They could probably play him at safety if they wanted to. He has, He's just that good in zone coverage. Uh, they could put him on the boundary if they wanted to. He's not a slot guy. They could put him in if they slot he wanted to because he's just that good. He's a, he's a smart guy. Um, I'm not sure how tall he is. I want to say that he's six foot, decent size for a corner. Uh, let me not speculate. Let me get the exact height for Paulson Adebo. Uh, since I'm literally not doing anything but looking at my draft board, Paulson Adebo is 6'1". He is 6'1", 191. Uh, that's great. So actually, no, he's gained a little bit of weight. He is 6'1", 198. Uh, decent arm reach. I have him uh, number 12 on my big board. And the people I have behind are all good corners. I really like Aaron Robinson. I think he's a starter. If he had two Mother Fonwu, I think could be a potential starter. Kelvin Joseph, Eric Stokes, Elijah Moden, Asante Samuelson, Kayla Farley, Greg Newsom, JC Horn, Pat Sertain. Looking back at this draft board, there are a lot of good corners in this draft class. There, And I, I, I hate to be this guy. Like someone has to be a bust. Like, right? There's no way that we have 12 to 14 really good corners in this draft, but they're good. Like, these these are all players that were really good in college, and I think Paulson Adebo falls into that category of he will somehow find his way onto the field. Next, we have Eric Stokes taken at the back end of the first by the Green Bay Packers. And uh, I really like this pick, and I particularly like this pick because he won't have to come in and start immediately. Uh, at least as far as CB1 goes. They'll put him at CB2. I think this is a situation that Jeff Okuda would have benefited from if the Lions had another corner. If Jeff Okuda would have came in last season and would have been CB2 on the Lions team, I think that he wouldn't have had as bad of a rookie season. I think he would have had a run-of-the-mill rookie season for a rookie cornerback. But because we were putting him in week two fresh off an ankle injury, hey, go guard Devontae Adams, and then at the week after that, we're going to have you guard DeAndre Hopkins. I think that was just throwing a rookie to the fire, and you didn't really hope. You didn't really even give him a chance. Uh, Eric Stokes coming in and getting to be the second cornerback, opposite of Jair Alexander, they probably won't put him on the boundary every play. They'll probably move him, move him around places and get him comfortable in the defense. I think that Eric Stokes is going to have a fantastic rookie year. I think that him and Greg Newsom could easily have the two best years out of the corners because they won't become they won't come in and be expected to be the guy. They they both went to teams that already have their CB one, whereas you got Patrick Sertan going to the Broncos, which they did go sign Kyle Fuller. Can't be mad at that. He won't be expected to be the guy, but he was drafted so high, people are going to expect him to be the guy and then jc horn i think jace i think jc horn is great i think he'll be great in carolina but still coming in being cb1 which 
I mean, Dante Jackson isn't awful, but he's not great. They'll probably take turns guarding the best receiver on the field. I think that both of them will have worse, year, worse years than Eric Stokes and probably Greg Newsom. I really like this pick for the Green Bay Packers. This is an excellent upgrade over Kevin King in the slot or on the field at all. Uh, next pick, we have the Buffalo Bills. Uh, they took Spencer Brown in the third. Um, Spencer, Spencer Brown actually isn't a bad player. He plays with great strength. He has good, good, strong hands. Uh, he's just, he's got a bit of footwork problems, a bit of mobility problems, but I don't think he'll be a guy that they want to kick in to play guard, even though he could. And I think he could be successful there. I think Spencer Brown is going to play tackle. They're going to find ways one to probably get him on the field because not not necessarily in live game action, but they're going to get him on the practice field and see what Spencer Brown can do because Spencer Brown's tape is impressive. He has success climbing to the second level. Uh, you'll look at his tape sometimes. You'll see him put a guy on his pockets, and you'll be like, hmm, he's got interesting traits. He has very interesting traits. I'd say that he's better than a Brady Christensen or a Dylan Radins. I wouldn't say he's better than Stone Forsyth or Sam Cosme. Uh, just to give a general area of where I'd rank them. But I think that Spencer Brown has some very impressive traits that you look at and you think that eh, I, I can get something done with this. I, I think the guy's like, what, six six eight or something? He, he's a big dude. He's six eight, like 311 pounds. So you don't don't put it past him to find his way onto the field somehow. He's, he's a very good player, but he's out of a small school. Uh, I, I can't even remember where he went. Uh, give me – Half a second. I think he went to Northern Iowa. Yep, Northern Iowa. Tackle out of Northern Iowa. 6'8", 311 pounds. Uh, I like him. I think that he'll find a way onto this offensive line somewhere where they put him. Uh, he's also still growing into his body. So, like, 6'8", 311. Like, 311 sounds like a lot. But when you're 6'8", uh, he could probably put on some more weight. So, I don't know if he'll start this year, but I, I would expect him to start somewhere down the line and getting him in the third round, getting a potential starter in the third round is always good value. Next, we have the Kansas City Chiefs for for a team with no first round picks. They had a really, really good draft class. Uh, I like them taking Creed Humphrey at the back end of the second. But I'm not going to go with that. I'm going to go with them taking Trey Smith in the sixth round. Trey Smith before his injury, before people found out that he had blood clots, was considered a first rounder. And this was this wasn't anytime soon. This was back when people were doing the way too early 2021 mock drafts, like immediately after the 2020 draft. Uh, Trey Smith was highly regarded as a pass blocker. And I'm not very sure where he'll play. I don't know if people will put him at tackle. I don't know if people will see him and be like, hey, we should probably put him in guard, but I do think that he is good enough to play in the NFL, and I think that is highly disrespectful to his talent that he was drafted in the sixth round. Uh, I am glad that he did land in Kansas City. This is a team that needs offensive line depth after their tackles went down in the Super Bowl, and Patrick Mahomes was getting blasted every chance that, that the Buccaneers got. I think that having offensive line depth is going to be very important to this team. So even if he doesn't start – um, I think that he's going to make the roster and I think that he's going to get play time in the event of an injury. And if he doesn't get play time, cause nobody goes down, hopefully injuries suck. Uh, he'll be on the roster just waiting for his turn. I think that Trey Smith is a very good player and he will be in this league for, I'll give him at least five years. I think that Trey Smith is a guy that can start and bring it every down for at least five years. And I hope that he does because he's a good player. Next we have the Seattle Seahawks. This this is this is sad. I, I don't know why the Seahawks only had three picks. Uh, one of their picks was nuts. I don't I don't know. I don't even remember the name. The only two people I remember out of the draft class are Dwayne Eskridge. They took him in the second, and they took Stone Forsyth in the sixth round. Uh, for anyone who doesn't know who Stone Forsyth is, he is an offensive tackle out of Florida. And one of the most notable notice, notable things about his tape is that. He gave Aziz Ozolari his lunch when they played Georgia. He, he 
he gave it to him for four quarters. And a lot of people were really high on Aziz Ojolari. Aziz had a great pro day. His tape isn't bad, even though he has no bend at all. He can get past somebody, but he is not a bendy dude. He's not going to bend that corner, and that's what you need from an addresser. I digress. We're not talking about Aziz Ojolari. Aziz went, what, he was a day two pick? I think he was a second rounder. Stone Forsyth went in the sixth round. I think that Seattle may have found a hidden gem, somebody that is not only going to make the roster, I think that he could start his first year. I'm not sure if he'll play tackle, but uh, Seattle needs everything, truthfully. I think Dwayne Brown is the only name that I know on that offensive line, and Dwayne Brown is like 33, 34. He's almost done. His time's almost up. They really needed offensive line help badly. Uh I don't know why they waited till the sixth round to do it. I don't know why they thought that taking Dwayne Eskridge over a guy like Creed Humphrey. Uh, who else won the second round? I think Tevin Jenkins won the second round. I don't know if he went before Dwayne Eskridge, but somebody, somebody other than a, a wide receiver. That was one of the last things that they needed. They could have took a running back for all I care. Uh, but whatever, they took Stone Forsyth. Uh, you can't be mad at that pick at all. They got a guy who probably will end up starting on this roster. Next, Tampa Bay. Mm, this roster really didn't need anything. So I, the, the pick that I chose was Jalen Darden. They got him in the fourth. And I only picked him because he's a fun player. He went to North Texas. Uh, he's extremely fast. Uh, he only clocked in at a 4-4-6. But he plays way faster than that. He plays at Anthony Schwartz speed. And Schwartz ran like an uh, unofficial 4-2-2. Uh, he's, he's fast. He's really fast. He's electric. He's great with the ball in his hands. Uh, he probably, I don't, I think that, I think that might be the reason they took him. Uh, I don't know if they'll re-sign Scotty Miller at the end of this year. And if they don't, they got Jalen Darden who could probably come in and do the exact same thing that Scotty Miller did. He's faster than Scotty Miller. Uh, he's more dynamic with the ball in his hands than Scotty Miller. Um, you could say that Scotty Miller is better at tracking the ball, uh, probably, the better pure receiver as far as route running, catching, and, you know, receiver things go. But it's like as far as a guy who's just fun to watch, Jalen Darden is definitely him. If you have the time, I suggest go watching him play. Just go on YouTube, look up Jalen Darden, and see what he can do. But he might be one of the quickest players in the draft. Next, we have the Houston Texans. Man, I, I called Seattle's draft class sad. Uh, this draft class was very sad. Uh, I think their first pick was – Davis Mills. Um, I know after Davis Mills, they traded up a lot to go get Nico Collins. Uh, this is a tough one. Like, I want to say that my favorite pick for them was going to get Nico Collins because he's a guy that immediately comes in and can play on the boundary. But they traded up so much to get him that I can't say that's good value. I think it's just a solid pick because Nico's a good player. If I wanted to say this best value, best combination of value and skill, I'd probably go Brevin Jordan. They got him on the back end. They, they got him in the back end of the draft. And uh, I think he only felt I don't remember what his injury was or injuries were. I think he has an extensive injury history, but snagging Brevin Jordan in this draft, a, a guy who probably when healthy is a top three tight end. Um, obviously behind Kyle Pitts and Pat Fryermuth, but Brevin Jordan is not a bad player at all. So I'd say that he's an upgrade over who's their starting tight end. Is it Darren Fells? Is, is that how bad this roster is? This roster is really bad. They, they could have went several other ways than uh, Davis Mills, Nico Collins, and Brevin Jordan. But uh, they did what they could, or they did what they felt they could. And I do like the Brevin Jordan pick for the Houston Texans. And last but not least, the Los Angeles Rams. They had a very questionable draft class, too, but uh, it wasn't bad. It was just questionable. But uh, they took Ernest Brown. Um, I didn't write down where they took him, so I'm going to assume he was at least a fifth-round pick. Nothing a little Google search can't fix Ernest Brown the fourth. Let's see where Ernest Brown went. Brown, Ernest Brown. He was the 174th pick, so that's that probably makes him what a a fifth, a fifth or a sixth rounder. 
Yep, fifth rounder, back into the fifth round, 174th pick, Ernest Brown. He's a defensive tackle out of Northwestern, part of that same Northwestern defense that Greg Newsom was on. And the only reason I like this pick so much is because I was doing some work for PFF and I was watching who was who, who was playing. It was Northwestern versus Stanford, I believe. So I have a I have a real good uh, I've got a good understanding of how both of those teams play. That's why I'm so high on Paulson Adebo, but I'm also really high on this Northwestern defense. Um, that entire front seven is good. I'm not going to say they're great. I'm not going to say they're okay. I'm going to say that they are good. I think that uh, their linebacking core is a little suspect, but their their defense their defensive line is definitely a group of guys, just like that Utah team in 2020, where you look at them and you're like, hmm. yeah, they're they're gonna they're going to do something in the league. Jalen Johnson had a good year. I don't know how good of a year Lekai Fotu had, but I know that he made the roster over there in Arizona. I think this is another guy just like Lekai Fotu who is going to probably make the roster. Um, I'm confident that he's going to not get cut. He's at least, even if he doesn't make the roster, he'll probably be a practice squad guy. And can't be mad at that. Uh, Getting some bread, (laughs) getting getting a check every week. But, uh, Ernest Brown is definitely good. I I didn't really have him on my big board because I didn't think that he was gonna. Yeah, I didn't think that he was gonna go pro, but he rotate he rotated a lot. Uh, he played. I I have him as a defensive tackle, but he did play a little bit of defensive end. They kind of just put him wherever he fit in. He played some three tech, played some five tech, played some four eye. Um, he's not he's not an edge. I think he'd be a good three four defensive end. I think that's why they took him. They, they're probably going to plug him right in and rotate him around because they lost Michael Brockers. He'll probably compete for that Michael Brockers role. Um, will he earn it? I don't know. I think he can. I definitely think he has the ability to earn it. But uh, Ernest Brown, Ernest Brown the fourth. I really like this Ernest Brown guy. I'm going to you know what I, I've talked myself into tracking his career, just like just like all those people from that uh, 2020 Utah defense that I keep track of is Ernest Brown is going to be a guy that I'm going to watch his career and see how that pans out. Yep, just wrote it down. All right. That's all, though. Those are all 32 of my favorite picks from every team in the NFL draft. Uh, let's see if we stayed under the hour mark. We did. We stayed under the hour mark, so there's no need for timestamps. Uh, if you just for some reason skip to the end and are listening to me monologue, please feel free to just skip around and go to your team because there will not be any timestamps. But that is all. I'll probably be right back here tomorrow uh, because I took a, I took a break from betting. If you're wondering why there have not been any betting podcasts out, I took a break. Uh, we didn't have a bad week when I left off, but I just I just took a break. You don't need to bet every week. Uh, but we'll be back with that on tomorrow should be Monday. Yes, it is. I'm going to go spend some time with my mother. Uh, happy Mother's Day to all of you, because for some reason, my female viewership is extremely high. I don't know how many mothers listen to my podcast, but happy Mother's Day to you. If you haven't told your mother happy birthday yet, <laughs> happy birthday. If you haven't told your mother happy Mother's Day yet, please do so. Please tell your mother that you love her. You only get one mother. Uh, but anyway... I'm done. Y'all have a great day. Wish I could say the weather's beautiful and tell you to go outside, but it's kind of grungy. Just have a good day, man. Make the best out of every day. Uh, Love you guys. Appreciate you. I'll be back when I be back. Peace out.